How's everybody feeling this morning? Wonderful. Y'all look good as always. We are in week five of a series called Chase a Lion. Can I just, just check in with you real quick? Has this series done anything for you? Has it helped you in any way? Okay, y'all can do better than that. Give God some praise. All right, so we are in week five. I want to give away another book. Uh, and so reach under your seat. And I know where it is, but on the front of your seat, there's a pitch pulling with a paper, and it says, Chase the Lion. If it's not in your seat, reach to the one next to you. If y'all don't find it, I get to keep it. I know, I know what, there we go. You can come down and get your book. Y'all give him a hand. So next week we got one more. Some I caught some of y'all in here this morning trying to see where I <laughs> trying to get here early. That's a good reason to get here on time, you know what I'm saying? Get here at like 10:50, 10:45, you might catch me putting it under the chair. Well, if you're just joining us, my name is Lamar, I'm one of the pastors here at Tri-Cities Church, and I got to tell you this is one of the best churches this side of heaven, and we are we are grateful that you chose. We understand there are plenty of awesome places to worship, and maybe I'm just partial, but I think we're the best. And so we're thankful that you chose to join us. We are in week five of this series called Chase a Lion. And uh, I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't been here, to go into iTunes and to go through and search Tri-Cities Church in the podcast and download it and listen to all of the previous messages, because I can't really give you all the content that we talked about. It's been a lot of Great stuff. Shameless plug. You might want to show up on Wednesdays, too, because we're doing a, a, a great study that's merging with that, that's helping you. But go back and listen to all those. I'm just going to kind of give you the big idea before we jump in. The big idea, this book, this series is based on a book called Chase the Lion from Pastor Mark Batterson, National Community Church in D.C. And here's sort of the tagline of uh, the book. It is, if your dream doesn't scare you, then it's too small. In other words, there are some things that you and I should be willing to go after that are so big and so enormous that it will be destined to fail unless God's involved. And so there's a little bit in it where, you know, if God's not in this, I need to be afraid that it's not going to work. But some of us, can I just say this? Maybe some of our dreams and our ambitions are a little bit too small. That the God that I serve and the God that I read about in the Bible is a big God who has a big plan for all of humanity. And he wants us to dream things that are as big as he is. And so we've been talking over the last several weeks about chasing the lion. And really, it's a story, an obscure story in 2 Samuel of a guy named Beniah who chased a lion down into a pit on a snowy day. And he and 30 other men that hung out with David were considered mighty warriors. And they did extraordinary things. And so we want to just continue to push forward and figure out how can we be the type of people that God can use to do extraordinary things. So I want to start with this. Um, there's a, a famous photographer, and I, and I really didn't know this person until I read this book a few years ago, named Henry Cartier Brenson. I think if I pronounce it like French, it's Henri, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but he says something interesting. Pastor Batterson gives this quote. I want you to check this out because he's... They, they asked him, how do you get uh, these, these photographs, these beautiful images of, 
of people in these moments, and it seems like to the ordinary eye to be something that you would miss. And they asked him, how do you know when to snap the picture? And here's what he says. He says, to me, photography is a simultaneous recognition in a fraction of a second of the significance of an event. If you are a split second early or a split second late, you miss the moment. And it's not to be left to luck. You must know with intuition when to click the camera. Once you miss it, it is gone forever. Here's what he's saying, that there are certain moments and certain snapshots that you just got to know. You just got to have the gut. You got to have the intuition to know this is the moment. Can I make an announcement, Tri-Cities Church? I believe that for us, this is our moment. That God is getting ready to do something big through us and with us and in us. And I don't want us to miss the moment. I want us to get a clear picture of what God is doing. This is our moment. God is opening a window for us to do something incredible in this community. And I want you to get a vision of what God is doing. This is our time. He says, if you miss it, it's gone forever. So I want to just show you a few pictures because... You know, I like, I like good photography. So there's five pictures I want to show you that he, that he took. Just look at these for a second. It's, it's almost like you wouldn't even think to capture that image. But isn't it beautiful? Go to the next one. Just a beautiful image. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Okay, give me the last one. Now this guy right here, this is not one of Cartier's pictures. And, and Wesley sent me this, and I thought it was an intriguing story. Uh, this is a picture of a guy. I don't know if you, if you heard this news story of a guy, I believe he lived in Colorado, who was uh, running down a trail, and he was attacked by a mountain lion. And this is, this is the guy right here. His name is Travis Kaufman, and he was attacked by a mountain lion. And so when they asked him, uh, he said that he heard rustling. Uh, and at first, his first intuition was, well, maybe it's just a deer or something. I run these trails all the time. But something told him to turn around, and he faced, and now they, they figured out that it was probably a young male cub, somewhere around 30, maybe 40 pounds. It was hard to, for them to tell. Uh, but he had this intuition that he should turn around, and his intuition told him, instead of running, you need to stand your ground. That in this moment, this is not the time to retreat. This is not the time to run. I know this is a scary predator. This is something that God created to tear flesh from bone. This is, this is a mountain lion. This is, this is something that most of us, when we run into, we will run. But something told him that in this moment, you need to stand your ground. And so what I want to talk about this morning is I want us to recognize when it's time for us to stand the ground, when it's time for us to man up and to woman up and to, to be the people that God has called us to be, to learn that there are moments where it's not feasible for us to run, that we need to learn how to rumble. And I love that he said that I realized that my only chance at surviving was to fight. And, and all throughout the biblical text, you get snapshots of great images of people who decided to take a stand to do what God asked them to do, who decided to take a stand to go after this big dream. There are snapshots all over the Bible, and, and you kind of see this even in this story. I mean, can you imagine if we were able to get a snapshot of the look on Benaiah's face when he ran into that line? That's a moment, isn't it? It's me or you. It's do or die. That's a moment. That's, that's a snapshot that he understood that in this moment, it's not time to run. It's time to chase 
the lion. And then we talked about Jehoabim or Jay Boogie, as we like to call him around here. Can you imagine the intensity in his face when he stood in front of 800 warriors and decided to raise his spear? That's a snapshot for you. In that moment, he decided to defy the odds. And there's forever a picture etched in our minds of a man who decided to defy the odds. That's a great snapshot, isn't it? I'm wondering in your life and in my life, where's the snapshot of the moment I decided to stand my ground? Where's that defining moment, that snapshot that will be told in the annals of history? Where is that moment where if somebody took a picture, they could see the passion and the intensity on your face when you decided for the first time in your life to stop running and to start wrestling down your dreams? It's a snapshot. And he took a snapshot of those moments in the text because it helps us to understand when it's important for us to stand our ground. So 2 Samuel chapter 23, we're going to move away from verse 8 to verse 9 through 10. This is what it says in the NIV version. It says, next to him was Eleazar, son of Doadai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Paz Dimim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar, check this out, stood his ground. And struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip him dead. There's a story uh, of, of a company, a, a company that most of us know. Uh, it was a great company back in the day, and I think it's still around. But they sort of missed their moment. They, they, they missed their moment in their ability to stand their ground and to go after their dreams. You know this company. It was the Kodak Film Company. And they lost the battle because they didn't sense or seize the moment. Did you know this? That in 1975, Kodak developed the first patent for digital camera. You know how all of your devices, like the kids now will never know uh, the travesty of having to have eight different devices to do all these. Like you have a phone now, it does all this stuff. Did y'all know these young people that phones used to be attached to the wall? Okay, I digress. I digress. See, see they, they missed their moment. 1975, they developed the technology for the first digital camera, but they chose not to follow through. They chose to run away instead of embracing something new. And they missed their moment. Once on top of the industry, because they didn't capture that snapshot of that moment that they were presented with an opportunity, someone else came along and took the opportunity that God had placed in front of them. And, and it says that Eleazar, in that moment, instead of running when everybody else, did you catch the text that says that he stood there with David and everybody else ran, but he chose in that moment to stand his ground. Sometimes it means when you're chasing your dream, when you're chasing what God has called you to do, that you've got to be willing to stand your ground no matter what it may look like. So, so I want to be practical this morning because I want to help you to determine how do I determine my ground? Because there's some stuff that's not your ground to stand for. But if you're going to be a lion chaser and a dreamer and somebody that God can use, if you're going to be an ordinary person that God can use to do extraordinary things, you and I have to determine what's my ground. There's a story uh, of our, of our uh, boys at the time. We didn't have Miles, um, so it was just the two. 
uh, and we were living in, in LaGrange, and we had a small little apartment, and I was at home with the boys one day, and I remember uh, this distinctly. I still, this was several years ago, uh, and, and Chief, he's kind of like his dad. He's sort of quiet. He doesn't really talk a whole lot, uh, and, and so you didn't really expect him to raise his voice, but one day, they were, they were in the apartment, and I was in the corner doing something in our little office, and I could hear a tussle break out. And they were fighting over some toy. Malachi and Chiefy were fighting over some toy. I don't even remember what it was. And all I heard was Malachi say, it's mine. And then you just heard Chiefy, who's real quiet, just like his daddy said, it's mine. <laughs> Malachi is big and bold. He snatches it back and says, it's mine. And Chiefy said, it's mine. And it happened for maybe three or four more passes and then something got on the inside of him, don't miss this, and Chiefy snatched the toy back from his big brother with all the confidence and courage and yelled out at the top of his lungs, it's very, very mine. <laughs> okay, some of y'all missed it. There's some stuff that you ought to be willing to tell the devil that this is my ground and you don't get to mess with my family, you don't get to mess with my marriage, you don't get to mess with my peace. This ground belongs to me. It is very, very mine. Is there anybody in here under the sound of my voice that knows that when God promises you something, that settles it? Don't you dare relinquish the ground that God promised you. Somebody just shout, it's mine. There's some moments in your life that you and I have got to learn how to fight for what God says we can be and do. Eleazar stood there with David, and did you read the text? It says the whole Israelite army retreated, but there was something in him that said, no, not today. This is our ground. This is my ground. This is where we're going to stand. This is where I draw the line. I'm sick of you messing with me. I'm sick of you messing with my peace. I'm sick of you stealing my joy. I'm sick of you messing with my marriage. I'm sick of you messing with my children. That there's something on the inside of you that ought to say, if God is a man, he's not a liar or a sinner, that he should repent. And whatever he said, it's yours. It's yours. What God has for you is for you. Don't you dare retreat. Stand your ground. When he gives you a dream, sometimes we got to learn how to stand our ground despite what it looks like. The text says that Eleazar stood there knowing that everyone else had run away and he determined this is very, very mine. This is this is my ground. So, Pastor, how do I understand my ground? Well, Batterson says that we got to have something called contextual intelligence. It is, watch this, the ability to spot opportunity when others don't. It is knowing that despite what the numbers or the naysayers say, that God has whispered something in my ear, and I'm convinced that this is something that God determines to happen in my life. And no matter how bad it looks, don't fall into your, your five senses. Because sometimes, can I just tell you this? It's not going to look good. It's not going to feel good. It's not going to smell good. It's not going to sound good. But sometimes you got to know that even when it doesn't look, smell, or feel good, that God is working it out for your good. Stand your ground. And Eleazar, despite the fact that everybody else ran, he had what Batterson calls contextual 
intelligence. It is the ability to spot opportunities where others don't. So I want to give you some practical things because I can't tell you all of what your ground may be. And in the weeks and months to come, I'm going to tell you as a church what our ground is. But for you personally, I just want to give you some practical tools to help you to figure out when you need to stand and when it's time for you to retreat. You ready? Get ready to burn your pin up because I'm going to give you a lot of stuff this morning. Number one, in order for you to capture the moment, to understand when to stand your ground, you've got to, number one, rank and review. Did you catch what it said that Eleazar, uh, it says in the NIV that he was next to J. Boogie, but in other versions it says that he was next in rank. In other words, there was a sense of prioritization. There was a rank, there was a order. Can I just say this? It's not even in my notes that if you're going to be able to understand what God is calling you to do, you've got to focus on what the priorities are. Perhaps, maybe some of the reason why I never accomplished what God has called me to accomplish, can I just bowl down your lane this morning, is because my priorities are out of whack. It says that Eleazar was next. There was the rank and there was a review. There's three things I want you to rank and review as you're trying to figure out what's your ground. Number one, rank and review, watch this, your core convictions. In other words, what should I believe? Don't, make, don't, don't misunderstand this, that, that your faith has everything to do with your ability to understand when you should run and when you should stand. I got to figure out, I got to review, I've got to rank my core convictions. What should I believe? Who does God say that I am? What does God say that I should do? What are my core convictions? Can I give you a definition for me of what core convictions are? Your core convictions are something that you're willing to stand for, even though you might be punished for it. You're not convicted until you're willing to stand your ground, even though you have everybody else run away from that moment, run away from that situation. When you're convicted, you will stand your ground despite what it looks like. I am willing to stand my ground for what God says, even if it gets me punished. That's conviction. Can I just tell you this? That if you're going to be a lion chaser, if you're going to figure out your ground, you got to figure out first, what do I believe? Well, what are my core convictions? What do I believe about my family? What do I believe about my marriage? What do I believe about my children? What do I believe about the job that God has blessed me? What do I believe, watch this, about my church? What do I believe about this community? You've got to get some conviction. If you're going to stand your ground, you can't do it without conviction. There is no such thing as excellence absent of conviction. If you want to chase that dream, figure out what your convictions are. What, what is it that I actually believe? I got to rank it because again, I got to understand where does things go in my life? How do I prioritize? It says that Eleazar was next in rank. There was a rank. There was responsibility. So rank and review your core convictions. Here's the next one. Rank and review your current responsibilities. Not just how or what I should believe, but ask yourself this question. How should I behave? Can I just tell you something? In order to be a dream chaser, you've got to understand how to keep your integrity. 
Don't ever let whatever it is that you're chasing. See, here's how I know for me, and I'm just talking about me, but I'm willing to bet that some of this may apply to you too. Here's how I know when I'm chasing things and standing ground that I shouldn't stand on is when it starts compromising my integrity. When I start doing things that compromise who God said I should be. When I start compromising whatever it is that God has planted me to be. Come on, this is just basic Christianity one-on-one. I don't even have to know your business to know that the moment you start, okay, I'll give you just a quick story real quick. I remember uh, counseling this young lady uh, and her fiance, and um, there she was telling me about all these issues that they were having. This was several years ago, and I said, okay, well, tell me, um, how did you guys meet? And she started telling me a story. She said, you know, we went to school together, and, and when I first met him, you know, we, I skipped the class. I said, stop. <laughs> she said, said, why are you stopping me? I said, so you mean to tell me that when you met this guy, you started skipping class to spend time with him. And now you're wondering three years later why he can't be faithful. I said, what you got to understand is, my Angelou said it like this, when people show you who they are, believe them. He had you compromising your integrity, and anything that causes you to compromise your integrity, I'm willing to bet that that's not something God has for you. When you stand your ground, you got to rank your core convictions, but also your current responsibilities. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because God is not going to have you chasing stuff that causes you to abdicate your personal responsibilities that you already have. Okay, see, now I'm bowling down your lane because some of us, you want me to tell you to drop everything and all your responsibilities to chase some pipe dream. But can I tell you, if it causes you to not spend time with your family or your children, watch this sacrifice is supposed to bring things together, not break them apart. And I've had to have this discussion with so many men in my previous church and men's ministry. Pastor, they don't understand the sacrifice. I said, even when Jesus sacrificed his life, it was to bring you closer to God. Sacrifice never divides. And if you want to know how to stand your ground, understand that if it's causing division, that ain't a sacrifice. That's selfishness. Ooh, crickets. Okay. Rank your core convictions, your current responsibilities. How should I behave? Number three, under rank and review, you need to rank and review your critical relationships. Who has God called me to be in relationship with? You remember that we started off this series and we said that the reason why David had these 30 mighty men and then there were top three is because God had a dream for David to become king. And through David's bloodline would come Jesus. And God understood that in order for David to make it to the throne, I've got to give him some critical relationships that help push the dream forward. Okay, now I'm really about to get in your business. Be careful about the folks who siphon the energy away from God's calling for your life. Matter of fact, some of us, at the end of this message, you need to just pull out your phone and start reviewing some of them numbers. <laughs> Delete, block. Don't be rude, don't be mean, but I'm saying, listen, there are critical relationships that God has placed in your life. Those are the ones that are going to help you determine when you need to stand your ground. There are two types, and I'm going to move on, of critical relationships. There are those who are in your circle, and then there are those who are in your corner. You need both. But can I just tell you something? The people in your circle are the ones who will fight with you. 
But the people in the corner there are the ones that are going to tell you what you should be fighting for. Okay, y'all know because you've seen boxing, right? It's the people in their corner who says you got more fight left in you. It's the people in the corner. See, when you're in a fight, watch this, you should expect to get punched in the face. It is the people in your corner that'll tell you, don't quit yet. You got more fight. Don't let them hit you like that. Stand your ground. Don't let them talk to you like that. Don't let the devil get in you. It's the people in your corner who will tell you, don't give up because you got more fight left in you. Can I just say that I'm going to be one of the people in your corner as your pastor, that I'm not going to know all your business, but when I see you fighting for your faith, I'm the one that's going to tell you, keep fighting for your marriage. Keep fighting for your kids. Keep fighting for your dreams. You got more fight in you than even you realize. Keep swinging. You got to have people in your circle. Those are the people that will fight with you. But the people in your corner are the ones who will tell you when you need to keep fighting. They're the ones who are going to keep pushing you. I know it hurts, baby. I know they punched you in the face. I know that was a setback in your finances. I know things are bad right now in your marriage. I know things are bad with your children. I know things are bad on the job. But guess what? I'm in your corner because you do realize that the people in your corner are the ones who have trained you and walked with you, and they know what you're capable of. And the people in your corner won't let you give up when they know you still got some fight left in you. Can I just tell you, someone under the sound of my voice, you are one second away of giving up on something that God's trying to do in your life. Can I be your corner man? Can I be your cut man? Get back out there and keep fighting. Keep swinging. Stand your ground. If God says it, that settles it. So can I say this about rank and review, then I'm going to move on. Never be irresponsible with things that are irreplaceable. There are some things that you're going to be tempted to leave behind in the pursuit of something that you believe that God, can I just, I'm just talking about learning what your ground is. That if there's something in your life that is irreplaceable, never be irresponsible with that. Your children have one daddy. You are a husband and a wife. You are a Christian. There are some things that are unique to you that only you can do. Don't be irresponsible with that. The reason why David was able to become king is because he had some people around him in his circle and in his corner that helped him to keep fighting for this dream that God gave him, and they were responsible for their role. There are some things that you can't allow anybody else to do. It is unique to you. That's why I tell people, even when I'm in ministry, that my number one priority is my family. Because my kids got one daddy. You have many pastors in your lifetime. But my kids only got one me. Never be irresponsible with things that are irreplaceable. If you find yourself being irresponsible with things that are irreplaceable, maybe that's not your ground. You following me? All right, number two. Search for counsel, not consensus. Oh, this is hard because we live in a social media age where I'm, I, I feel validated by how many likes I get or how many people comment on my posts. But did you notice that Eleazar stood his ground even though it says the entire army retreated? Did you catch that? In other words, there are some things that you don't need consensus to be able to do. Okay, can I just say you need some voices, but be careful about, watch this, who you give a vote. The last time... Someone asked the people, they said, crucify him. Some of y'all just missed that. 
There are some folks you don't need to ask that if God already said it, that settles it. You don't need consensus to do everything that God has called you to do. You need counsel, but you don't always need consensus. There are some things that you know are right to do, and you don't need everybody else to approve of it, because if God said it to you, then go after it. And he stood his ground despite the fact that everybody else retreated. You see that? Sometimes you're going to have to learn, and I'm going to have to learn, that I don't need consensus. Because, see, the, the masses will miss it. Don't follow the crowd. This is for my young people. Listen up. In order to make a difference, you have to be willing to be different. No one that you know that has made a significant contribution in this world did it by being like everybody else. As a matter of fact, our own book, the Bible, calls us strange and peculiar. You were never called to be concerned, watch this, about people's applause or their attacks. You stand your ground and do what God has called you to do and be who God has called you to be. Some things you don't need consensus, you need counsel, but you don't need everybody to agree what God is calling you to do. He stood his ground even though everybody else ran away. And there's some stuff that people are going to run away from. Can I just say this is free? Everyone who starts with you ain't going to stay with you. That's hard. That's a hard truth. But I think if we're more concerned about God's call for our life and God's call on this church, then we'll realize, like Russell Simmons, thank you for coming out. God bless. Good night. Okay, some of y'all just missed that Deaf Comedy Jam. 40 and over, 40 and over, 40 and over. I don't miss you. I don't wish you any ill will, but everybody who starts with you ain't going to stay with you. That is not an indication of whether or not you should stand your ground. Eliezer stood his ground. Okay, so you got number one, rank and review. I gave you three things about that. Number two, search for counsel and not consensus. Number four, fill, or three, thank you, my math is messed up. Fill a void. You want to know what your ground is? Look for a void to fill. When I was doing my doctorate, this is what they told us when we did our dissertation. They said, uh, you need to figure out what areas of theology and church and church growth, something, something that I, I went to school for. They said, find out what nobody's talking about and talk about that. In other words, where are the gaps? Where are the voids? Where is it that no one's willing to stand on that ground because God might be calling you, watch this, your ground might be a gap in your life, in your family, in your service to his church. Look for spaces where nobody's willing to stand. You know the old thing where it says that uh, anybody could have done it. Somebody thought anybody would do it and everybody, you know what I'm talking about, right? Who's on first? Nobody ends up doing it because everybody thought that somebody would do it. Sometimes your ground is a gap. Ask God to help you to discern where is nobody helping this population or what is no one doing to help this person or where is nobody serving in this area of the church or where is there something in my life that might be a gap, but God might be calling that to be your ground. And oftentimes God will call you, watch this, uh, that sometimes God's plan is to give you victory where there's a vacancy. Is, is God calling you to stand where others have scattered? That's what I love about this church. When I 
uh, when I went on, on, online and, you know, because I did my homework on y'all, uh, I'm sure y'all was Facebook stalking me too. <laughs> and I came across this video uh, that Jamie did years ago talking about the reason why they wanted to plant a church uh, in this community is because all the other churches were running away. And what God did in him was he said, there's a gap, there's a place where the people are scattering and I'm going to give you victory in a place where there's a vacancy. See, some of us, we're trying to get victory in a space that's crowded, but God called you to be different. He called you to be strange. He called you to stand out, go where no one else is willing to go and do what no one else is willing to do. That's a lion chaser. Here's the last thing. Is this good? Are you getting anything out of this? Here's the last thing. Pay attention to patterns. I can't stress this enough because I'm a pattern thinker, and so I see patterns in everything, and, and, and that's how I operate. I'll watch a system, and I see, okay, this is a pattern of behavior, or this, this is how things go, or, or even, even the Bible talks about that God does things in seasons and in patterns. You remember when, when he flooded the earth, and then God says, okay, from now on, it's going to be seed and harvest. That's the pattern. And then, and then Paul comes around and says, whatever you sow, you will reap. It's a pattern. And sometimes you got to pay attention to the pattern. What are you saying? The reason why the 30 mighty men, the reason why Eleazar could stand his ground against this army, watch this, is because David already demonstrated a pattern of God's victory over the Philistines. He's demonstrated that when you hook up with God, there's this pattern here that every time it looks like the odds are bleak and you put it in God's hands, you have victory. Every time you trust God, even though people run away, you'll get victory. David was the resemblance of a pattern of God's behavior that when you trust God, okay, some of y'all just miss it, because God has a stellar resume. You tell me one time, that it didn't look like you were going to make it and God didn't come through. There's a pattern. As we prepare now for communion, was that good? Did you get anything out of there? As we prepare to, prepare to, to take communion, I, I want us to, to center our hearts on the fact that when God sent Jesus Jesus stood his ground against sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, you know what that means? While we were doing our dirt and the odds were against him, that Jesus stood his ground against sin and against Satan and went to the cross and got up from the grave. He stood his ground. God, God says this. He says, I would rather give up my son than to give up on you. So he decided to stand his ground. So as we approach the table, remember that this is also a time for us to celebrate through giving. The Bible talks about giving of our tithes and our offering. That's 10%. Here's what that is. It's planned percentage giving. It is saying, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to be in the corner for God's church. And I'm going to be generous. And so you can give. There's a QR code. There's several ways to give. You can give online. I give online. That's the best way for me. But then as you give, also celebrate what was given to you. That was Jesus' blood shed for the remission of our sins. I'm going to pray, and then when I'm done, you can come and approach the table. There will be people who can pray with you. But let's pray. God, we thank you.
for this opportunity, God, to celebrate you through giving of our gifts, but also to celebrate what you gave to us. And so, God, I thank you for you so many thousands of years ago standing your ground against sin and against Satan and sending your son to be our savior. And so, God, help us as we approach the table to do it with humility, with a sense of awe and wonder and gratitude that will also give us the courage to stand our ground. God, we thank you for this moment, and we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may come.